The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton. And with me today is Kara Rothenberg. Yeah, I got all of that pronunciation right. You absolutely nailed it. Okay, awesome. Cool. Okay, so Kara is a screenwriter that I know from Twitter that I really don't know at all. But um, I think your tweets are funny. And uh, you are also on the Coverfly Endorsed Writer program, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm definitely going to want to know something about that. And I don't have it in my questions. So I'm going to try to remember. Um, In fact, you know what a smart podcast host would do? They would write that down on their notes. And then uh, I think I'm going to make it like an ongoing bit how unprepared and dumb I am about doing this stuff. Uh, Because then I mean, whatever works. Yeah, you know, and like people, if you make fun of yourself first, then people can't criticize you. You know, that's always throw the first punch. Absolutely. At your own face. Yeah. Yes. Totally. <laughs> at your own well, face. Also, I just wanted to say, and this isn't just me, I think I feel like you're kind you're like kind of Twitter famous a little bit in like the in like the writer world. Is well, that true? thank you. Uh, uh yeah, I it's weird. Okay. So like at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic, I started really using Twitter. Mm-hmm. I started it in like 09 and my Twitter, like a lot of people was just a ghost town and just talking to a brick wall for, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years. But anyway, during the pandemic, I started using it and I found, Oh, if I just tweet about screenwriting a lot, and this is like a, like a, a pro tip for anyone who wants to just like have a bigger Twitter presence, I guess. And you're a screenwriter, obviously, if you're listening. Um, yeah. Just like find your angle like find your lane. And uh, if you kind of tweet in a single lane, people just catch on. I don't know. And like my specific brand was like, I'm an idiot. Uh, Here's my struggles and uh, just kind of ripping on myself all the time. And yeah, weirdly, it's like become like, oh shit, now I have like a bunch of followers and I'm kind of like nervous that I'm going to say something really dumb one day. (laughs) I feel like you're one of the first people I one of the first people on writer Twitter that I started following and Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then you followed me and, um, it was a big moment. No, I'm just kidding. No, it was, it was, it was, um, and, uh, no, I, I just think your tweets are really funny and like deeply, they like cut to my soul, but like in a good way, <laughs> in like oh, a well, fun, in like a fun, but kind of devastating way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, it's weird. Like I've gotten like DMs from people I don't know who are like wanting me to help them get connected in some way in the industry. And it's so funny because they do not know that I'm just a fucking nobody in Missouri of all places. Um, It's hilarious. But yeah, I don't know. It's been a wild ride and it's fun. And with this, I'm kind of just like taking advantage of that situation that now I have like all these writer friends on Twitter and uh weirdly some people care about what I have to say on there. So I'm like, Hey, I'll just like make it into a platform for all of us. So. Yeah, no, I think um, that's great. Okay. So now that we have that out of the way and my ego is kind of soaring, <clears throat> let's go ahead and jump into Kara. How did you get into screenwriting? 
Um, well, I mean, I feel like it kind of started when I was a kid. Um, I mean, writing in general, anyway, I wrote like a lot of like really horrible plays and short stories and stuff like that. And then I, I really had no interest in, in anything else in that, that showed in school <laughs> in mm-hmm. my, in my grades and overall uh, participation, but it was always the thing I wanted. It's really the most, um, it's the longest relationship I've ever had other than my family is the one that I've had with, with writing, not without its, uh, challenges, but yeah, definitely the, o- the only thing I ever wanted to do. Um, and then I got to college and I was a journalism major for like 10 seconds and then realized <laughs> I was like, I don't want to, I have to fact check. I'd rather just make everything up. So, and also like, that was just the wrong trajectory for me. I was always lived in a much more like creative space. Um, So I switched majors, like basically immediately to um, television and film. And um, it was the first time in my life where I loved school. Like I hated school my entire life. And then I got to college and it was like, you mean I get to like write a, not a thesis, but like write an essay on a television show. Like this is, this is it. This is same brain over here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's just, and so, um, and you know, also not just that, but we also like, I learned about, you know, I got final draft and I learned like how to write a script and, Mm -hmm. you know, wrote a bunch of bad ones. Obviously that's a rite of passage as like, as a, um, uh, you know, screenwriting student. And then, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, how it started basically since I was a kid, it just kind of evolved over time. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's hilarious because you're like, and I'm in this class too. I don't know, maybe the 10th screenwriter I've heard say that um, they started with journalism in mind. Oh my gosh. What an interesting like pipeline. I never really saw coming. Like, yeah, I know. Screenwriting. Well, you're never actually. So did you get into screenwriting? Did you make that change while you were still in school? No, no, I hadn't even started yet. I was very fortunate. Yeah. When I first started, I did a a couple of years at community college just to do like my gen eds and everything like that. So I had kind of a long time to think about it. And that was where I like cultivated this like desire for screenwriting because I started out in like an English 101. You know how like the first gen eds are basically just high school again. You know what I mean? Like your math, science, all that stuff. Uh, And I took English 101. And like I said, I was like 10 years removed from high school. And uh, I had never even finished high school, so I had like a weird trajectory, but um, got into that class and my professor, like one of the first essays we wrote, she was like, this is like really good. You're a pretty good writer. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was the only thing I was ever good at when I was in school was writing. And uh, um, so that kind of got me going and got me encouraged. And the further I got into it, I also just kind of came across a friend who wanted to write a pilot together. And we wrote one and it took a couple of years and it was terrible. We didn't know what we were doing, but um, yeah, uh, it, it kind of all came organically during my time at community college. And then when it came time to transfer, I almost went into like a novel writing program at a different university. I was very, very In fact, I was enrolled and I was accepted in everything. And that same summer that I got accepted at the last minute, a friend of mine got into uh, Webster University, which is like kind of where you go if you want to do film stuff in St. Louis. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going for script writing. And I was like, I love screenwriting and I'm going into this novel writing program. Like, why am I doing this? And uh, so I just went ahead and enlisted there and I got uh, got accepted. And it was just spur of the moment decision that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, but 
anyway, yeah, journalism to screenwriting. We should be trying to actively like recruit journalists, maybe I know. come over and be screen. You know, what's interesting. I was in like this thing for uh, roadmap writers last night where it's like a pitch prep course. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a guy there who was like, I've been a newscaster for 30 or no, no. 25 years or something and you could just tell like his voice and like his cadence and everything like oh yeah this dude is on the news every night super confident he's killing it and uh, he had a story about a news reporter that i won't tell all his story but um i thought that was so interesting and so cool like that's such an interesting life experience you know to write from is he did he just make the transition to writing or was he is he like i believe so oh wow that's cool that's yeah, really- I believe that like he's like, you know, because he's kind of like where we're at, you know, like kind of yeah. scratching and clawing for an op- for a first shot to Got get it. in. Uh, but yeah, he seemed like a really nice guy. I, I think what I really like about like screenwriting is like it. I mean, m- maybe this is overly optimistic, but I kind of feel like it's never too late. I don't know. Like if you have a good story to tell and and I mean, you're willing to like put in the work and, you know, all, all that kind of and, you know, receive constructive criticism and all the million of other things like it's it's never too late. It's not like a sport like you can do it always. You can make that trend. You can have done something for 30 years and then move to something else. I think that's really special. That's kind of what I love about it, because like, yeah, like all it's like you know, I'm 33. All of my favorite athletes are like on the decline now. And I'm like, it's so weird being older than everyone in my favorite sports leagues. Um, and that's like a new transition, but yeah, it's like, as long as you like take care of your mind and stuff as a writer, there's really no stopping it. Look at all the great filmmakers that are, you know, in their seventies at this mm-hmm. point, and they're still making like, you know, masterpieces. Um, it's really encouraging that I got in. I, I feel like I got into the right thing. Cause you're right that transition when you are in something that's like purely physical uh into i can't do this anymore because my body literally won't yeah. let me um even actors have to experience that a lot of the time you know a lot of actors can't transition into you know th- their young looks of their 20s have left them and it that's like the sad part about hollywood is that like if your talent isn't super exceptional, they don't want you if you're over 40, you know, which is just like, even then, (laughs) yeah, even then, even then, it's like you're someone's grandma and not that there aren't 45 year old grandmas. Of course there are, but it's like exclusively it's, I mean, especially to women. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And men get to thrive into their fifties and sixties. And in the movie, they cast a 25 year old as their wife. And it's like, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of ridiculous, but anyway, okay, cool. Yeah. I love that, that transition that she took into screenwriting. Um, are you currently repped? No, I am not working on it, but I'm not repped yet. No me either i think the majority of people i interview are going to be unrepped and that's kind of cool because that's the point of this podcast is to like introduce all of us to you know whoever wants to listen and unrepped writers can hear our struggle and maybe identify with it yes Um, yes it can be very it can be very um like lonely and demoralizing yes (laughs) Um, sometimes so yeah there's not that not that misery loves company but it's nice to like especially writers who you're like oh they're they're talented and they're not rep there's almost like a comfort in that even though you you obviously want want them to get it just as you want it for yourself but there Mm -hmm. is a comfort of that in that um in the meantime yeah yeah and i think there's this whole like mystification thing of like we all think that once you get repped like 
everything's going to take off. And then you see people who are repped that are kind of in the same struggle as you. And it's like, oh, that's not the answer to everything. That's like the very beginning of maybe having a better chance at getting a job. But it's like not a guarantee, you know? It totally, it's it's a step. And I I try to remind myself of that. It's not a fix all. It's not, you snap your fingers, you have a rep and like you're, you know, you start yeah. Monday on the show. Exactly. exactly. So not, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, man, that was a harsh truth whenever I discovered that. Cause it's like, Oh, as long as I get repped, you know, cause it's like, you're learning. It, what's crazy for me is like every year that I've been doing this is like a whole different mindset because I have a better understanding about what this industry is. Um, And yeah, that's where I'm at right now is realizing that, oh, that goal that I've been thinking is at the very top of the mountain of being repped is not the top at all. You're still, you know, at the base of the mountain trying to climb. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. No, Um, it's really true. Yeah. So how would you, cause I'm really interested in this because I don't, I haven't read your work. Um, I've read your tweets and I think they're well-crafted. I think that uh, I think that you have a specific voice and I'm wondering how that lends itself to how would you describe your brand quote unquote as a screenwriter? Ah, this question. It's funny. This question, uh, the upper level working writers that, that I know that I've like worked with on other shows as like support staff that mm-hmm. were kind enough to sort of offer advice. were like, if you get in a room with a manager, blah, 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 this is going to be the question. And I was like, it's going to be, what is your brand? And I was like, I mean, I'm not like milk. Like, what does that mean? Like that question kind of like, and of course it was, it was very ignorant on my part. Cause like you're going into a room and quote unquote selling yourself. So of course they're going to want to, the, the buyers quote unquote are going to want to know the, what they're getting. And so answering that question, I felt like it, it was hard for me because I, I, I would overthink what the answer is. And I feel like I've been asked it before and I think I stumbled and I don't think I answered it really well. So I've had time, um, to think about it. And I guess like, I don't know if it's too vague, but I guess like the way I I would hope my brand would come across would be like, you know, writing, writing things that are equal parts, like humor and heart. Like I don't typically write anything that's like overwhelmingly, um, positive or, or upbeat, but I also don't feel like I, write things that are, you know, make you lose faith in humanity only because the real world does that really well. I don't mm-hmm. think they or anyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I try to like straddle the line of, of the two, you know, writing people who are like flawed, but redeemable. It's not necessarily like bad things don't happen, but that there's always like a path for redemption. And I find that like, for only for my, for my taste specifically, those are the shows that I like gravitate toward the most and where I feel the most comfortable writing. And those can be a drama, a comedy, or like a combination of of both. I think. That's awesome. That is actually like, that was weird hearing you describe it. Cause I think you described my brand better than I described my brand. Like that was like, that's kind of exactly what I go for. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, $20. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I I think that you're spot on with like, you know, the world has enough of the doom and gloom right now, but I was going to say, you said you did support staff for shows. Is that something that you would talk about? Uh, like what shows you worked on and yeah, I can talk about the shows that have already come out. Um, I, I, 
technically like got my foot in the door and scripted TV three years ago mm-hmm. um, as a writer's when I was 20 and 31 now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always like to say age because I think since people are self-conscious, the older they are when they because I was too. And it's it's just like part of my French, like such a load of bullshit. Like if you're there, you're there. It doesn't matter when, how old you are. Obviously the only difference is like these jobs don't pay very well. So it's, it's a privilege to be able to even take it if you don't have folks to support and things like that. So that's always something to acknowledge. Hopefully it gets better, but I digress. Um, I was a writer's PA. That was like my first job as support staff on the second season of the alienist Mm -hmm. um, on TNT It was supposed to be like a, like a limited series, but it did really well. So they did season two of like the second book in the Caleb Carr series, which was, um, angel of darkness. Oh, Um, interesting. Yeah. And the room was in New York, um, Mm. which was, I mean, I don't know how, like it it was such a, it it was, I just figured like, I I always had in my head, if I get it, I'm going to have to go to LA and like, Mm. I would be willing to do it. I'll, I'll go tomorrow. I don't care, but I just got really lucky in that the room and, um, all the writers were New York based. So I worked on that. And then the next show I worked on was as a writer's assistant um, on Genius Aretha. It was uh, Nat Geo's series. They do like a different genius every season. Mm-hmm. And the most recent season was um, with uh, Cynthia Arrivo as Aretha Franklin. Oh, um, cool. And that's separate from the biopic coming out, right? Separate. Correct. Okay, separate. cool, cool, yeah. cool. Oh, well, good timing. Yeah, yeah. So that. So that was the show was supposed to come out like May 2020, but then obviously COVID happened. So it actually ended up airing in like March 2021. It's a Nat Geo show, but it was also like the episodes are also on Hulu. That was my first job as a writer's assistant, which was like the scariest thing I've ever done. And also like I love I loved every minute um, Mm -hmm. of it. And then I was a writer's assistant on a Netflix show during COVID. So it was a Zoom room, which Mm -hmm. I can't. I can't uh, say anything about, but. Okay. Well, super exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's like a coveted position of a lot of us out there is, you know, the writer's assistant job, especially if you're into television. Um, Myself, I'm a little more feature oriented, but I've always said I would take any fucking job out there at all. Um, Any, if you want to pay me to be involved in TV or film in any way I'm available. Right. I think that's the only attitude you can have to like, you know, stay alive in this, in, in, in the, uh, the business. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, totally agree. Um, this is a question that I don't hear on a lot of screenwriting podcasts that I think is maybe interesting. Uh, since everyone's routine is unique. Um, can you describe your regular writing routine to me? Like, are you a morning person, night person? Do you, you know, like to write in a, at home? Do you go to a coffee shop? Just kind of what's your vibe whenever it's time to write? my vibe is chaotic. Like I, I, (laughs) I don't have a routine. I I'm, I'm the opposite of a creature of habit, which Uh I don't think is good, but like, it's just who I am. I, I do different. I wake up at different times and do different things every day. I don't have, and I will kind of write anywhere. It's like, it's like green eggs and ham, but like writing like on a plane, on a train, on a bus, <laughs> park, like anywhere is wherever yeah. it strikes me. Um, I mean, the only thing that's like mildly consistent is like, I do prefer to write at night. It's not that I won't write during the day, but like, I find that I'd rather do that. Um, and I like, I don't like quiet. Like I like noise. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. like drilling, but like, you know, music or like the TV's on even people talking, like I'll write when like, you know, 
if I don't know if I'm around anyone really um, yeah. within with, when it's like socially appropriate or something. Sure. I don't know, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, depends on your definition. But yeah. yeah, I definitely like. I actually I heard that question when I was listening in the first episode, and I, uh, you know, reflected and was like, I don't have that. I just do it wherever, whenever it strikes me because I'm always afraid it's gonna leave. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. ideas will leave, the motivation's gonna leave. So like I will do it wherever, and it's very insufferable to anyone who like is with me a lot. <laughs> They're like, yeah. like I, they never say it. Yeah. They're very supportive, but it's like, you know, I'll do it. Um, not that I'm always having these like bursts of joy. It's very, very rare that that yeah. happens, but um, yeah, yeah, I would say my routine is I don't have a routine. Yeah. Well, yeah. when the, the idea comes like, that's a very important part of being a writer is write that shit down. Yeah, I don't I know about you, but like, yeah, I, it just happened with that last question. Things come and go out of my brain so quick that like I literally should probably like talk to a professional or something because I think I have like early onset something but like uh yeah no like creative people are chaotic like we're all fucking insane so that makes sense like you know uh I just by nature I'm like a messy person Mm -hmm. I don't have a ton of routine like I try to I really my entire life has been trying so hard to be like a respectable person, <laughs> just like a respectable human being with like structure in their lives and all of that stuff. Uh, and it's not, it's not working out. Let me tell you the truth, but um, yeah, so I can relate. And I think that's part of the benefit of like getting into a creative field is something that really excites me. Cause I've worked all like regular, regular jobs, if you want to call it that, you know, like I've worked in like warehouses and like restaurants and all of these places um very excited to get into a field where my boss expects me to be a crazy person just like a chaotic person and they're like yeah but that's why they're brilliant or whatever um and not that I'm brilliant but I want them to believe that because I'm so disorganized and messy right it's part of the genius yeah you can have like you can be disheveled and like everything you have is a mess because it's like the only field where that's it's almost weird if you like come in all buttoned up you know like yeah exactly yeah that's why adam sandler gets to wear the things he wears and just everyone's like yeah but it's fucking adam sandler he's the best he wears pajama pants on a red carpet which i i love like yeah i mean that's if that's not the dream what is you know exactly yeah and like i mean that also goes like in almost a dangerous way whenever you know like there's been like those stories of old hollywood directors who were absolutely terrible people to be oh. around and it's like yeah but they're a genius man oh, well, and it's like disgusting yeah i mean you know wearing like not dressing up and then like throwing a desktop at someone or there's a that's a huge difference and it never should have been tolerated in the first place it's horrible yeah yes yeah totally agree yeah. um but yeah i can relate to being out of my mind with routine and yeah. not having any uh cool so uh next up could you maybe i i also remembered that question from earlier are you mainly a tv pilot writer or do you write features too um tv pilot writer i definitely not mm-hmm. opposed um to ever writing a feature it's just the like my prof- you know professional mm-hmm. background is is mostly in that it's just i just watch more tv in general yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I I, rem- I thought I heard you say, you know, something about watching TV, but then also being a writer's assistant on these TV jobs, I kind of just figured. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's like, you know, you can you can write both. I'm working on my first pilot ever when I've already I kind of know I'm a feature writer, 
but um, I'm working on a pilot just to have it, you know, yeah, if someone ever asked for it. Right. But right. um, I do think that, yeah, for writers out there who maybe are still kind of finding their way, which that's an ongoing thing. I don't think any of us have it together, but um, kind of knowing what you want to do is, you know, uh, y- your end goal. You know, you can take any job on the way there, but what's your end goal? Totally. Uh, so cool. TV writer by nature. Um, so could you maybe like describe your process to me? Like you have this new idea, you stop, uh, hanging out with people at the the social gathering and you go to your laptop and you start, you know, do you, is that what you do? Do you start typing like an outline? Do you type like a log line? Do you start writing things about a new character? Uh, when you get a new idea, what is the very first thing that you think you should do? Um, I think if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said, I just start writing the scripts. Like Mm. I never, I didn't do not even a title. I didn't do a log line. I didn't do an outline. I just went right to script and Mm. then spending enough time in writer's rooms and like watching the most talented writers I've ever met Mm -hmm. all like beating out a story. You know, they have a, they have an episode board and then they do an outline and another outline. I'm like, Oh, maybe I could learn something from, you know, these Emmy award-winning writers. I don't know, just a thought. Yeah. Like, what if I... Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To do, you know, so, so I started now, I, if I get an idea, I mean, normally, like, if I'm out or something, I write in my notes app, like, just keywords that I know are, like, buzzwords to, like, jog my memory of what I was thinking of. And sure. then I will, um, I'll start, I'll do a very, very loose, like, um, um, episode, like a board, like a beat board kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. then, but like really loose with just like a few words on it. And then Mm -hmm. I would do, um, an outline and outlines are just, I don't know what I was thinking, (laughs) not doing it. I mean, no, I mean, some people can do it. I just mean for me, cause like I said, okay, just utter chaos. Like I need something to, um, just have as like a playbook, um, and uh, I don't know why I'm talking about sports. So I don't like sports. I don't know. Why. I think it's because I brought up sports. <laughs> okay. Maybe so you're trying to talk in my language. You're like, like drawing up a board with X's and O's. <laughs> like, here's where we're going to go. Quarterback's going to run here. But, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't use them all improperly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know why I'm like, I'm not like a, a fan. Not that, you know, it's fine if you are, but. No, yeah, I, no, that's I, just I, hilarious. I just yeah. like caught myself doing it. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, uh, I, I find that like writing outlines and then writing a draft and like a draft can take, like sometimes I'll write a first draft, like a, the roughest of roughest draft of rough drafts mm-hmm. uh, in like, I don't know, like a weekend. And then yeah. I've also done it in like a month. It all, it all like kind of depends. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say the process is like getting to my computer as quickly as I can. And if mm-hmm. not writing it down and then yeah, outlining, I found to be really, really helpful. Yeah. Same. Um, when I first tried to write a feature, I wrote the same feature the first 30 to 40 pages, three different times, because I would write and I get through the first act, but I just didn't know what I was doing and where I was going. And I would write myself into a corner and be like, shit. And uh, when I got to film school, uh, my film professor showed us save the cat. People are going to turn off this fucking podcast when they hear those (laughs) words, but no, uh, showed me to save the cat. And it was the first time I even thought about the concept of that type of an outline. 
And also it kind of tells you, it's almost like a cheat sheet. Like it tells you kind of vaguely what should be happening in a traditional story at that time. Have you read Save the Cat ever? I've, I've read, yes, I've, I'm familiar with it and read, I don't think the whole thing, but like portions mm-hmm. of it, classes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I'm more so talking about the beat sheet, but yeah. like, yeah, so those quick little descriptions of like what should be happening on this page and what should be happening on this page. And once you get further into writing, you know that you don't have to stick to that, of course. But um, it was the first time I'd ever seen like to steal your term, a playbook uh, from sports analyst. Oh, Kara Rothenberg. Line, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I was the same way. I had no idea about outlining and it was like someone just pulled the curtains open and I was like, oh, shit, this is how you write a story. Um, so I can very much relate to that. Uh, I think Dave the Cat has a good, um, if I'm, if my memory is serving me, uh, like about how to write a log line too. I feel like they have a good, like a section in there about it that I might've yeah. used not to be really hard because you have to be so brief and brevity is not my strong suit. It might've been Dave yeah. the Cat, maybe it's something else. I no, know. no, I think, you, I think you're right because it's pretty much like a, a, you're brand new to screenwriting here's how you do all the stuff you need to do. Yeah. Um, so I think they do. I haven't read it in a while, the uh, the logline portion. But uh, I mean, I like literally almost every time that I write a new logline, which I've written a bunch at this point, I still Google how to write a logline. Oh and I look up like a ScreenCraft article or like John August yeah. or whatever, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's so funny being like, how do alone. I write that single sentence again? Um, <laughs> it's it's like, we it is it's yeah and like when someone has like a great log line it's like if you're a writer you can just nerd out on that just like oh my god that is beautiful that's like artwork it really Um, is for sure but that's cool i also really relate to the notes app sometimes i'll like open my notes app randomly like i know i wrote something about that and it's just like this incoherent babbling oh. and i'm just like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> and at the time uh, it's like yes yes this is so good and then you're yeah. like this is, this is like a word jumble i don't even know what this is yeah exactly yeah yeah but when you're going for it you're like that's brilliant i need to write that down right now uh so you also spoke about how long it takes for a first draft are we talking half hour pilot or half hour episode uh, uh Hmm. Cause I've written both. Oh, Honestly, I've done both. Yeah. I've written yeah. half hours and hours and in like a, a very short amount of time, but then I end up scrapping like at least 50% of it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I've, and I've heard a lot of people say it on Twitter and I totally agree. It's just like, just write it. Like, don't try. I, at least for me, I don't want to not have, you know, it's not a one size fits all advice, I think for almost anything, but like I, I, for me, I have to write it because then I'll just keep self editing. And then maybe that idea that I got rid of might actually work. So just put it out there and then save it. And then you create a new one kind of thing. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I can, I usually do it pretty quickly because I just get like obsessive. And then I'm always, I'm always afraid I'm going to lose. You're going to get out of the zone and not want to, I'm always afraid of losing that, like mm-hmm. not the drive. Cause it's always there, but losing that, like juice that sounds disgusting but i don't know how else to say it that's (laughs) what we're calling it from now on on this podcast is the juice yeah it's horrifying i apologize (laughs) no it's cool it's cool we're stealing that um yeah no i agree though it's it's weird how much um momentum matters in writing like creative momentum like if you if you break away from it 
you will truly lose that great idea that you had sometimes, not all the time, but yeah, there is an importance to that of being like, I need to get this out right now. Yes. I just think it's important that you don't like, there's like a pressure for also like to write every day and to make sure it's great. And it's just like, just get it out and it'll be, a, it'll, you know, I, I guess it's like, you want to skip all these steps and it's like, it's okay. If you just get one done, like I think writers can be really, really hard on themselves about stuff like that. Um, yes. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm in that club. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So we know that you get your first draft done roughly sometimes a weekend, sometimes a month, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. <clears throat> However, when you do type the end, uh, what is the first thing that you do after you finish a draft? Do you send it to like a select group of people that you trust? Do you kind of wait on it, maybe put it away for a little bit so you can do a second revision? Do you send it to like a paid feedback company? What is your process when you finish something new? I mean, it doesn't make me look great, but I send it to people who have to love me so that oh. they'll never, they'll never tell me like <laughs> they have to love me, even though I send them a script every month, asking them to read it, even though I don't say like read it immediately, they know that I want that. I'm looking for like the instant validation. Cause I just spent four days writing this thing. So mm -hmm. God bless those people. Um, yes. I definitely send it immediately. I have like an insatiable appetite for just to hear. Well, of course I want them to like it, but also like what doesn't work so I can fix it. Like I need to do, I want to do it right away. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like a couple of, um, writer or writer adjacent friends that I'll send it to, um, my mom. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and, um, my husband doesn't work in TV, but he's very much a, a, a fan at his core. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll walk out and I'll be like, okay, we're doing a table read. And he's like, huh? Like, I, no, no warning, <laughs> nothing. And he knows I'm way too fragile to say no. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I like just came out of this like writing hole and he, and so he'll do it with me. So yes, the, the short answer is I always want to, I want to read it. Yes, of course. I, I want people to like it, but I find mm -hmm. that I want it to be fresh in my brain. I'm afraid if I put it down, I'll read it again and I'll Cause I, I find the more I read something, the more I'm like, this is bad. I'm just going to throw it out. I did that so many times, especially like in my younger years. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I don't send it to feedback places right away. Um, mm -hmm. and honestly, I don't really even do that unless I've just had some yeah. experiences. Um, yeah, totally fair. Yeah. We should be putting, <clears throat> we should be putting that out there. This yeah. podcast has no alliances with anyone. Uh, yeah. except the writers of screenwriting Twitter. So that's super valid. Yeah, I have too. Yeah, I feel like I feel like most people, if they've been doing this a while, have. So I certainly like submit to like competitions and fellowships. And sometimes there are notes attached with that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that like it also kind of sounds like I'm like, I only am gonna send scripts to my mom. So she tells me, <laughs> you know, which yes. by the way, she doesn't. She'll tell me if something doesn't work or whatever. Uh -huh. Um, but and and uh uh I but yeah, I, I don't, I don't do that right away just cause I want to polish it before. And like, it costs money, you know, it does. Like when, when you do that, if you'd like to do that, you kind of want it to be in like the shape in like good shape because you kind of only have one shot and it's at at least 50 bucks a pop. So yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've even seen some people offer coverage for like $199 and I'm like, dude, I just can't, I don't know. I wish 
If I was Shia LaBeouf, I'd be all over that, but I'm not. (laughs) Uh, But no, yeah, that's totally valid. And I I do think there is something to not wanting to have your feelings crushed on the very first read around. Like there is something to having people that, you know, are in your corner and are at least going to talk about, you know, like you said, they'll tell you what's not working, but also they'll really tell you what is working. Totally. And sometimes that's the most valuable thing right in the beginning is being like, this thing does have legs. I know it's not perfect, you know, uh, but there, there's something there that's working. I think that's cool. Cause you know, me and Gabe talked about this on episode one, but like as writers and creator creative people, I think 98% of us are just like the most fragile, emotionally unstable people, you know, like we need validation. That's that when you asked earlier about like the Twitter stuff, Uh, or when you mentioned it, that's 99% of why I'm doing it is just validation. Like I've been that way my whole life since I was in school. Like, just like, I was like the obnoxious kid in class who would just like shout things out, just trying so hard to be funny and be liked. And, uh, and so I'm still doing it at 33, you know, just uh, now there's an internet, there's uh, an app for it and I'm, I'm taking advantage of it. But like, anyway, um, yeah, I think there is something to us taking care of our own mental health by going yeah. to people who we know love us. They're not just going to shit all over our feelings because that'll come later. You know, yeah, when you don't worry, enter don't worry. There's plenty of it to come. Yeah, I think that's such yeah. a great way to put it. And also what you said before about 98% of writers are just like, like fragile, yeah. like, like little kids, like, and, and not, and not to say that, like, you know, we, we behave like children all the time, but there's something very like vulnerable about, about writing and why you'd even get into something like this, Mm -hmm. um, in the first place. And so it makes sense that it would attract like a certain kind of person. And I think, I think it's good to be at what you just said, like be, be open about like, I want validation every minute of every day when I'm sleeping, when I'm awake every minute. Yes. Yes. Like there's something about being honest about it. Now, is it like the healthiest thing? Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a therapist, but I'm I'm thinking no, but like, at least we can be honest. And there's something almost like comical about it when you can like talk about that with a fellow writer and how they sort of um, seek the same, the same thing. Hey everybody, Andy Compton, host of the Social Screenwriters Podcast here, interrupting you mid-podcast to let you know about a little situation that happened here at this point in the podcast. So this was a couple weeks ago, and after Kara so eloquently finished that beautiful answer to my question, uh, for some reason I got like this big burst of feedback that was like an explosion in my ears for like 10 seconds of just like, like just static. I couldn't hear anything. And she, um, I told, I was like, Hey, did you hear that? And she was like, no, I didn't hear anything. So I'm like, hang on. Cause something is messed up. But then the sound went away and we were still recording and everything seemed okay. So I'm like, all right, um, that was weird, but let's keep it moving. So we did, and then I get into the edit, and I realized that from that point on, uh, her audio track was unusable. It was, like, really, really distorted and slowed down to, like, 50% speed, and I don't know what happened. I tried to doctor it for all of 30 seconds before realizing, yeah, that's not going to work. So, Kara was so kind as to come back and do 
the second half, basically, of her interview. And uh, so that's what we're going to jump into now. Sorry to break it up like this. Hope it doesn't feel super weird in the middle of the episode. I love all of you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we're just going to pick up where we left off. Uh, we both agreed that we think the second half was trash. Um, we didn't say anything funny or interesting or insightful or anything. Uh, I think we were both pretty cringed out by only the second half. We agree the first was good. I think it'll win awards if I yeah. had to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, there is a, an award show for podcasts where they only judge the first half. And I'm thinking that we're going to have a good shot in that one. The, the Habsies? I've heard of it. The, the Habsies, yeah, yeah. So we could win a Habsie in 2022. That'd be cool. Um, so uh, anyway, that's why if there's any like difference in the way we sound or anything in our mood, if we've had a mood shift, I feel better today than I did two weeks ago. That's, that's I don't good. Know about you. How are you, how are you feeling compared to two weeks ago? Um, every day feels the same. So, mm-hmm. so the same, you know, I feel yeah, like just filled with dread and yeah, dread, gloom, hopelessness, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. But, For but sure. actually I do feel like it's changing globally in the sense of like, not to, it's the thing that everyone's talking about rightfully so, but like with the new variant and stuff like that, I do feel like maybe that's what the audio feedback was like Omicron, like making its way. Oh, and, you heard it and I, and I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even consider that. Um, <clears throat> well, that's good because, uh, yeah, a couple things have changed since two weeks ago. One, I got my booster shot the other day, uh, yeah. even though I don't believe in COVID. I think it's all a hoax. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't even joke about that. Uh, but yeah, I got my booster. Uh, so that's new. So if I sound different or anything, that's why. Um, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah, I got mine yeah, like you. two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Oh, did you? Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah, I didn't really have many side effects, so that's kind of nice. Uh, my arm hurt. I felt a little fatigued, but yeah. Yeah, I, I had the same experience. Yeah, yeah. pretty, uh, pretty uh, mild. That's good because some people were like, "Man, I'm like on my deathbed after getting the booster," and I'm like, "I'm so lucky, I guess." I know, I know. It's uh, it's it seems like it's very hit or miss, but as long as you're get as long as you're getting it. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yep. All right. So all of that said, a bunch of bullshit happened, but we're going to fix it. So do at, at what point do you enter contests with a draft? Um, oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I think I there have been like seasons of contests where I just don't enter at all sometimes like it's a conscious decision. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, all the deadlines happened. And I forgot because I'm, you know, if I'm you, I feel like if, if I've been on a show, I, it kind of falls through the cracks because Mm -hmm. I'm just focusing on at what, um, on work. But then if I have, I might, I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's anything in particular that makes me submit other than like, I'm on like my 20th draft. <laughs> like mm, I would yeah. I think the biggest mistake that I made as like a younger writer is like, I did, you know, two drafts in and I'm like, it's ready. And like, yeah. I'm not saying that's not, I mean, there are, are absolutely like brilliant people out there who might be able to get like a great draft in two drafts. I just don't happen to be one of them. Um, yeah, same. so yeah. So I think once it feels really polished and like how I had said, 
um, in my answer when I said uh, that I like to send to people who won't hurt my, hurt my feelings. When mm. the script feels less precious, meaning like it's less raw and fresh, I will send it to like actual writers who I know who are not like nasty in their feedback, but who are like, hey, here's what didn't work for me or here's how I think you can um, elevate it. And mm-hmm. so I, d- I don't like to submit to anything bef- before I've done at least one of those passes like with a fellow writer if they're kind enough um to to lend their time and 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 read it yeah yeah that's how i am too um at least one pass from uh preferably like a couple people you know to get those different takes um i had a weird experience the first time i ever submitted to a contest was screencraft drama October, or what was it? Maybe like August of 2019. I had just finished the first draft of my first feature, uh, like completed, like the first time I'd ever completed one. And um, I was so excited and I just sent it off to Screencraft Drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first round reader gave me nothing but absolute just soaring praise. And oh. it was uh, a 9.6 out of 10. Oh my God. The score I got. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, oh my, I guess I'm like fucking the best screenwriter that is like undiscovered right now. Like I'm like the next huge thing. And uh, I, I really, really had that mentality. Like I was trying to be humble, but in my brain, I was like, oh my God, am I like, am I fucking fantastic at screenwriting? And then from that point on uh, the very next round, I got like a 5.2 out of 10 and it was like the most mediocre review like i just don't think that this story works on a number of different levels and blah 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 and it brought me back down to earth but um and ever since then the funniest thing is as far as contest like scoring goes i've never achieved that level of success and i've entered so many uh since then yeah and my first ever score was the highest i've ever gotten so kind of funny but um i I still think you should that is worth something though. Like, I know you're telling it like sort of a cautionary tale, but to that person who read it, it really, it really resonated with them. So I don't think you should take that from you, take that away from yourself, that win. Yeah. Well, thank you. And yeah, I agree because also it it was kind of a testament to how subjective all this stuff is because it was a story about backyard wrestling. And this guy was like, Oh my God, like when I was a kid, I've loved wrestling and blah, blah, blah. So it was speaking to his childhood Sure. The way that that's the reason I wrote it, because when I was a kid for like two years, I was very obsessed with pro wrestling. And uh, so it kind of spoke to the nostalgia in me. And then there's like any other person out there who had that similar experience. Of course, it's going to kind of bring up those good feelings, you know. So like really the first half was the real screenwriting heavy stuff. So to kind of break from that, um, what are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that kind of help keep you sane? And um, because we can't obsess over it all the time. You will lose your mind. Yes, definitely. Um, I I watch a lot of TV, which I don't know if that's um, too synonymous with writing writing it or too close to writing it. But that's the Mm. thing that honestly has like brought me the most amount of, of joy just in my life. I like watching it. And I also really, really like talking about it mm-hmm. uh, at length mm-hmm. <laughs> to the dismay of the people closest to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, that's the thing that brings me the most um, comfort, which is really why one of the reasons why I ever wanted to write TV in the first place, because it felt like this sort of security blanket to me. And I wanted to, uh, 
do, do that, be that for some things for someone else. I just found that to be like a, um, a cool way. I don't want to say give back because it's not. <laughs> yeah. like, I need to give my like, talents like, to the world. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, I don't, I, that sounds horrible. Please. No, don't. it doesn't. It doesn't. No, I, I think everyone out there it's listening knows what you're saying. But yeah, it's like, if you, if someone wrote something that resonates with you, so you want to do that too. You want to put yeah. that back into the universe is really what I mean. But 100%. Um, other than that, um, I, li- I like to read like I, I'm like a light reader. I love it when I'm doing it, but I don't do it enough. Um, and then honestly, and I think I, yeah, I said this last time, so I'll just repeat, like, I'm not like an adventurous person. I'm like afraid of, of everything. So <laughs> I'm not like a hiker or like a skydiver or like a rock climber. I just, I like to be, I like to be inside. If I like to be outside by like a, by like a fire pit, that's uh-huh. as like adventurous as I get. Yeah. Checking the mail, be, things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I, I like to be with the, like, and I think this two years, if it's taught me anything, I, I want to be with the people I love as often as I possibly can. Um, that's definitely, I wish it didn't take a pandemic for that, for a lot of us, I think, to come to that realization, but that's my favorite pastime more than anything is to be with the people I'm lucky enough to love my friends and my family. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's definitely, yeah, my, whatever I can, whenever I can be with them is my, is my number one, uh, hobby. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great answer. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild couple of years, I think for everyone to kind of just take a step back and examine their life you know, and the things we have to be grateful for. I know a ton of people out there are making career changes, which I think is fantastic. I love to see that. It's awesome. Yeah, totally. Um, Life is too short. And I think this pandemic has really had a lot of us thinking about it, that it's just not worth it. I, I heard a, who, who did I hear say this? Um, I think it was um, BJ Novak on like a random podcast. I forget what it was. But he was saying uh, he was talking about writing on a TV show that he didn't love writing for, but he was making a ton of money mm-hmm. and uh, which is different from a lot of people's situations. Like I my uh, comparison to this was like working like a warehouse job where I had benefits. You know, I'm working full time. I'm making good money, but I hate every day of my life working mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And uh, he said, once you start thinking, uh, once the thought enters your brain, like, man, I just I can't walk away from the money, though you know, it's too good of money. That's when you need to leave because you're now putting money over happiness. And I had never really considered it in that one sentence simplicity, you know, of, yeah, the moment that thought even enters your brain, that's because you're unhappy now. Otherwise you wouldn't be thinking about the money. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I, I, I kind of always go back to that now. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are thinking in these crazy times. Um, but yeah, I also think that, uh, like you said, watching TV, is that too close? And I don't think it is because we're all TV kids at heart, you know, like that's just kind of who a lot of us were growing up. Um, I know for me, like weirdly, one of my comfort things, I'm a huge horror movie fan, but I don't write it. So like, it's kind of yeah, like, like experience. I, I've written a little bit like, uh, but ultimately I had to decide at one point, like I was writing horror that people were like, yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. And then I would write like the dramedy stuff and people are like, oh, that's like 
jumping off the page with your voice. And I was like, fuck, okay, I got to commit to that, which right. I love writing those stories. Um, but there's a part of me that wants to be like Ari Aster or something like hereditary, right. you know, like. Well, uh, the good news is, is you could always come back. Like, I feel like you can commit for now, but when you, you know, um, achieve a certain level of like success is such a you know relative term, but whatever you want to call it, it's the door is never like fully closed. Right. Like you could always go back to it if you wanted to. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. Uh, one day, yeah. uh, if someone wants to give me money, if they trust me yeah. with money, then I'll do it. But, um, right. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of the goal. And I think it speaks to like all of us when we're breaking in and trying to figure out how to carve out a path, you know, to be noticed. And I do think for me personally, saying i love horror but i also love the dramedy stuff and i think i'm stronger in the dramedy lane that i need to commit to that i will say that i do think that that has helped me tremendously to not be super broad you know right, but rather have your focus yeah totally yeah, yeah yeah so and there's some people out there who are very eclectic you know and write all kinds of stuff and that's good and fine this is only my opinion that i think uh finding a lane is pretty good Totally, I, I I agree with that. Especially, I think especially like starting off. I, I I feel like when you're younger or you're just green starting off. I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's good to explore, and then once you figure out your voice, to hone in on that. And then that's again, that's just one dummy's opinion. What do I know? <laughs> it's just no, what. Sure. Yeah, it's just what I've come to learn. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Yeah. I mean, voice can mean a million things, you know, uh, doesn't just mean genre, but yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, uh, I think we agree. I have the word, this is going to be the bane of my existence as a podcaster <laughs> is that I just trail on saying the same thing in 40 different ways for like three well, days. You're giving yourself different takes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's how you're like giving yourself different reads, like an actor. So. I appreciate the positivity, the positive spin. I like it. Um, okay. So of the scripts that you've written, Kara, yeah. which is your favorite and why? Hmm. Um, on like a bad day, I want to just like burn them all and start a new life. Um, I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I think, I think right now the, the one that I guess I'm the most proud of is like the one that I've, been working on most recently because it's the one that I polished the most. Um, and it's the one that, yeah, it's just, it's like the honeymoon phase you go through with like a newer script. Like some of the other ones were like in like a loveless marriage, you know, I'm like, I've been with you for so long and like nothing's mm -hmm. happening, you know? Um, so I think that the one, the one that I'm working on now, it's funny when it's like, I don't, I guess I, I guess I want to like, I guess I want to be a comedy writer. Oh my God, that sounds terrible. I, 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 I do. <laughs> I'm dipping my toe in. I don't know. Right. Like that's, that's, I don't think anybody wants to hear like, I guess I want to, I guess I just mean that like dramedy might be the best, um, uh, uh, way to describe what I've written. Cause anytime yeah. I set up to just write a comedy, it's never just that. It's just, I don't know why it's just the way that it, you, you too. Okay. Mm, same like exact it. same. I really wanted to try, I really want to be like, um, like a straight, a straight up comedy writer, but I also feel like the lines are just being blurred more and more now. And I, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, I guess the, the, the one that I'm, the script that I'm, you know, most into right now is, is an hour long. So it would technically be a drama, but that's like sprinkled in, um, 
there's comedy like sprinkled in Mm -hmm. Um, and it's called monarchs of monmouth county and it's about this like blue collar italian family in um living in new jersey and they're just sort of dysfunctional and they kind of all have their own um traumas and issues that they're going through but then um and they kind of live in this like rundown town and um a, a tragedy occurs in the town and the this family kind of overnight um finds this like newfound power that they never otherwise have had in their lives that sounds really vague it's just like that's the best way i can describe it without spoiling without yeah. spoiling for yeah. no one because create no one, the mystery make yeah, us want to yeah. read it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so so that that's what it's about so it's like it's it's very like i've never written anything that's really like heavy and like crime and corruption which is like mm. a totally new um thing for me but it's just sort of like what it became but yeah. i also wanted it to be kind of fu- um like fun i don't know if you watched good girls on on uh, nbc i wanted to that's alia shawkat and oh no that's uh is that ser- that's search party search party oh search what's, party, what's yeah. good girls good girls is an nbc drama oh. with Greta. yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, girl from Parenthood. God, what is her name? Mae Whitman. Mae Whitman. God damn it. Okay, sorry, Mae Whitman. I knew your name deep down. <laughs> um, and and Retta, who is yes, I am yeah. a, I, awesome. I, and then who's the third girl? Christy. Um, uh, what is her name? Christina. Christina Hendricks. That's how okay. you say. It. Yeah, Christina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's created by um Jenna Bands, and mm. um anyway, it's a great show. I am not. I, it's nothing like I wouldn't even dare to compare. I just mean, I saw that show and it was cool because it's these three women who basically get involved in like a criminal enterprise, but they're just like normal people. And it's, and it, there's moments of such levity and heart, and it's not just about the gritty crime. And that's, and I was just really attracted to that idea. Mm-hmm. Obviously I wasn't trying to rip it off or anything like that, but I would yeah. just say that, um, that was something I hadn't really seen before. And it was three women, which I, which I really liked because, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times in those like, um, gritty ish crime shows, it's like the men doing it and the women have like a dish towel over their shoulder. Like, when are you coming home? And like, that's their role. And in this, I was really attracted to that show. It got mm-hmm. super off track. I apologize, but yeah. No, so no, I, no. That's on track. Um, that was, that's the, that's the, that's the um script i would say i'm most confident in at the moment mm-hmm. even though it's had the least amount of reads only because it's the most recent like i haven't i only recently finished it and it's also never really finished i've just made i even made tweaks on it just today so yeah. it's um but yeah i would say that's it's that one yeah that's awesome um and i think you're so right about like the lines are blurring right now um, especially like, you know, like Ted Lasso comes in at what, like 45 minutes, 40 minutes an episode. And I, so, I yeah, just, yeah, I just watched, uh, the MacGruber pilot last night. Cause I'm a big fan of the movie MacGruber. It's just like the stupidest comedy. And that's all my, my brain just loves dumb comedy. The one with Will Forte. Will Forte. Yeah. Oh. And like the original cast came back, like Ryan Phillippe. It's so weird. He's in MacGruber in the first place. And he came back for the series. Yeah, and uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, Lawrence Fishburne is in the uh, series. And like, yeah, anyway, it's like really, really stupid comedy. Like, and it's trying to be stupid and I fucking loved it. But um, I think that was 35 minutes on Peacock. 
and it's a hard R rating, like just everywhere oh. fucks and shits, and like you're seeing like uh, Will Forte's bare ass, and like, right. <laughs> and that's on an NBC network, you know, but it's Peacock. So Dreaming. yeah, we're we're in this crazy time right now where it's kind of like uh, all those old rigid rules of the past are kind of like fleeting. And thank God, I yeah. I just I remember one time I got I I wrote a dramedy. And somebody said, is this a drama or a comedy? And I said, well, it's a dramedy. So I, I, I thought I thought that answer was right there in the name. But I guess obviously I didn't respond that way. But it was kind of like what, that our obsession with being so binary about mm-hmm. what something is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about that for hours, not just in television, but about absolutely everything. And I understand like we get so used to a certain thing, but if, if art reflects life, isn't life a drama and a comedy all at once, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like that, and I'm not saying like, we shouldn't ever, we should get rid of all straight comedy. Of course not. I just mean mm-hmm. like there's room. I feel like there's room for all sorts of things. We don't need to be so obsessed with the boxes. Yeah, I've actually hated that about entering screenwriting contests, that if it asks for a genre, it's usually drama or comedy. And I'm like, I don't want to just say drama because like, you know, like there's so many super heavy movies that are dramas. Yes. And my movie's not like that, but it does involve, you know, uh, a mother daughter strained relationship that, you know, does have depth to it. But also there's a lot of stupid, funny comedy going on in it too so it's like i i always just you know in a contest it's different because someone out there has to read your script or yeah, at so least you hope they I are it. i get that yeah but yeah it's like i feel like whenever you just say drama or comedy it's it's kind of unfair to a lot of writers out there who are like well i want you to know that it's not just super heavy you know like yeah. it's not schindler's list like it's gonna be yeah. like you know it's got, but it's also not you know mcgruber yeah, yeah, yeah. Wedding yeah. Crashers, exactly. You know, like yeah. there, there's depth to it. Like great movies. And just saying that that's not what they, we don't always have to do that. And I think yeah. we've seen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I watch far more television than I do movies. So I, yeah. I feel like I can speak more knowledgeably on TV. Is that like some of the shows that we've be, that are culturally, we've become obsessed with, you couldn't, like, yeah, maybe it's, maybe some of them are like 70% drama, 30% comedy, but that's still not a hundred percent drama. And we've collectively like people love it. So I, I guess I don't, I feel like it's been by audiences like embraced. It seems like the idea that the lines are a bit blurred with, with um, comedy and drama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have the privilege of being in a group that uh, a professor from college got me into that's a, uh, 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 a producer at a pretty well-known uh, production company started out of the goodness of his heart to just bring some new fresh college grads in and uh, just kind of talk about writing. And he'll have a guest who's like, you know, uh, a Netflix exec or like someone that he knows from being in the industry for like, you know, 25 years or something. And uh, it's just kind of this cool group that I stumbled into. <clears throat> and we were talking about this last week and I pitched him a pilot I'm working on. That's very much a dramedy. And uh, he was asking all of us to pitch a project and then say what we think is working and what we think isn't working or what we have like a fear of, you know, 
with the project. So I told him and I told him what I think is working. And then my only uh, worry with it was that I don't think it's funny enough because it's very much a dramedy and it is a half hour format, half hour comedy format, like traditionally, but I'm worried that it's not funny enough because there is like a lot of uh, character development stuff going on, you know, uh, talking about the protagonist's um, uh, tough past, you know, things that have happened to them that have shaped them into who they are and they're not great things. And uh, he said, and his assistant who has been working in the industry for a while, we're like, that should not be a worry at all at this point, because kind of all comedy on TV right now is kind of drifting in that direction. So I think that you were spot on with that. So I'm just throwing that out there for like an industry take on That's that. Yeah. That's really great. I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear that someone at that level feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. We're entering a pretty cool time right now for people like you and I who are writing kind of on the line of drama. Cause, um, yeah, that, that's all I have to say about that. I'm not going to fucking ramble. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. So, um, but that's great. And the title is The Monarchs of Monmouth County? Yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of, screenwriting related or otherwise? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say something it's it's so um silly has nothing to do with writing. Okay. So um and it's something like if a friend of mine ever listened to this they'd be like think that I was like kidnapped or something they would never believe it. But uh, so I I joined <laughs> um Orange Theory like the do you, do you know Orange Theory like the gym? Will you describe it real quick because I know what it is but I kind of don't Sure. Um, I hope they sponsor me after this. Um, yeah, this is they, a huge shout out. It's like a, it's a class-based gym. So like you go, you go, you, you have a membership, you can go four times, eight times unlimited, whatever. And it's sort of split up into three things, treadmills, rowing machines, and like floor exercises. Right. And, um, you know, the, the whole concept is like, you have a heart monitor and they sort of, um, they, they monitor, it monitors like your heart rate. And basically the point is like, when you're in the orange, um, that's when you're at like, uh, you're pushing yourself, but you're not pushing yourself to a point where like your exhaustion, but it's like, you want to remain, you want to be in the orange for like about half the class. And, um, that's sort of, I'm not the orange giving, theory. That's the orange theory. I'm, I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job of explaining it, but one of the instructors no, 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 that was good. far better than I could. Cause there's like a, a science behind it and all that. Yeah, stuff. Well, I'm going to have the CEO on next week. So you're just kind of teeing them up. It's a natural trajectory. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so yeah, so that's the whole point. And I really just like doing it because it's like you're in competition with yourself. Like you are, um, uh, trying to beat the mile time you got last time, or, you know, you try to, um, up your weights or whatever. And I've always, (laughs) I'd always made merciless fun of people who are really into like, not like like take care of your body of course but like how all they talked about was like it was like a little cultish and i was always like like a personality like yes the only personality i i i I hope to god that's not how people feel about me but i got really really into it i don't really post very or at all about it Mm -hmm. um but anyway so i've never been on a rowing machine before and i I go pretty frequently obviously with covid you know our my gem you have to be vaccinated i wear a mask just as a precaution Mm -hmm that and for this week i'm I'm not going to be going just because of the holidays and stuff but um 
we did, um, we had to do like 200 meters on the rowing machine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, I think I might be pretty good at this, but I've never been excelled at anything physical in my whole life. I've just Mm -hmm. been like probably mediocre or worse. And so I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm looking at my time and I'm like, Oh, I feel like I, I feel like I did pretty well. I got, I did it in like seven minutes, Mm -hmm. 200. And I was like, okay, then and I didn't really think anything of it. And then yesterday they posted like the leaderboards of like for each age group. Uh-huh. And I was number one in my age group and also number one of all of the women. What? <laughs> yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. It. And I, I, and I know it's like, it's so lame of me to, but no. I was so excited. I was so excited. I That's crazy. You're like a world-class athlete oh all of a sudden. God absolutely not not even close like i feel like real yeah. athletes would be like oh really okay like i would do that when i was like sick and hungover but like for yeah. me for, for an average joe to, yeah. i i was re- and it was really more symbol- like i was saying it to uh, my husband i was like it's more symbolic of like i never thought i could do that never i was mm-hmm. I would have been, I never even considered that I could be on the leaderboard of anything. And so, you know, this year's kind of like kind of sucked job wise. So I like, I want to believe so badly that it's symbolic of like, you'll see your name elsewhere and like things are the best is yet to come. And you can do more than you think you can, because I can be very like dismissive of myself. And, um, I was, I was really proud. And I, and then I was a little less proud of how competitive I was. I was like yeah. looking at the leaderboards. And then I looked at all the men and I was like, which of the men did I beat? Which I did. Uh, beat. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Fuck um, yeah. That's amazing. Uh yeah, of course. And then I'm like, <laughs> I feel like when the people I told they're like, okay, settle down. Yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. need to win so badly. So so badly. Um so yeah that was that's the, if I'm being totally honest with myself, mm-hmm. that's the accomplishment I'm most <laughs> right now no that's amazing honestly uh i'm i'm the same way i i think it's lame that i'm competitive but i am it's just yeah, who i am like, embrace it. just don't pretend to be something you're not like as long as you're not nasty to people like what it's okay yeah and that's the thing is i think is like basically i'm saying it's okay to be fake because i'm like i'm like as long as i'm like outwardly humble and yeah. stuff i can yeah. have this internalized sense of competition to being like it's not really like I want to beat you. It's that I want to do fucking well. That's exactly. I, I, it's not like I want to belittle another person. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really just completely about ego. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, we all have that stuff too. Like even I think the most outwardly humble of us, there, there's some level of ego. I think you only lose your ego as you become more confident in your abilities and whatever you're doing. Yes, uh, I hope so. Because <laughs> then you're just like, I know I'm kind of good, you know, like it's okay. I don't need to worry about it. I don't even think about it the way I used to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's awesome because I'm the same way. I like I grew up like a skater kid, so I was very much anti like lifting weights and like all the jocks. You know, that's what they do, and I'm not that. And then uh, now that I'm getting a little older, I'm like you know, like I still skate. But um, not obviously not as hard as I used to, but um, I'm like, man, I, I, I like going for like a run or whatever. And I, I hate the act of running, but I like that I'm trying to not die as soon as I would without like working right. out a little bit. And you, you know, see so- progress, like you're like, oh, I couldn't hit this benchmark six months yeah. ago. Now I can. There's something really rewarding about that, that but you always, you know. And it's not really about how fast or 
calories or all that really toxic, horrible stuff. It's mm-hmm. just about, I think, like proving to yourself the things that that you can do that you once thought you never could. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it applies to screenwriting too. You know, the first time that you get like a quarter finalist placement or something, it's like seeing your name on the orange theory list. You're like, holy shit. Hey, I, I am kind of good at this. Like, it's okay. But, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm trending in the right direction. It's that first bit of validation. Um, but yeah, I think that's rad. That's super cool. And I kind of love that it's not screenwriting related because I think, we all just need those wins. Like if you only obsess about getting wins in this lane, um, it's like you said, it's toxic. Yes. You'll drive yourself crazy. And actually, yeah. and it's funny. It literally happened yesterday. So like if I had talked to, if, you know, it's all meant to be, if, if, if the audio hadn't been messed up, then, we, then you wouldn't hear about my amazing accomplishment. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, too, is that it's so funny that the audio messed up because last time that we recorded, we took a like a two minute break and then came back and you were like, so I just checked my email and that contest I was talking about uh, didn't make it. Didn't finals. Yeah, it was all happening in real time. Yeah, that was oh man, what what a bummer. But like this week, we're having a much better week. So yeah, that's great. Um, All right. So we're we're nearing the end. a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially those just getting started. You can say as little or as much as you want to say. Yeah, I think the best piece of advice I ever got was, I believe someone on Twitter, and I I, I cannot remember who it was, <clears throat> but they said, um, don't take advice from someone who doesn't like your script. And I I was like, it was really kind of earth shattering. I was like, Oh my God, wow. That makes a lot of sense because Mm -hmm. if if someone is reading the script and there's sometimes depending on the situation, you couldn't possibly know that the script is not for them, but Mm -hmm. like there are shows out there that are revered and that everyone loves. But if I got the script, it wouldn't resonate with, with me. And I think everyone, and that, but that doesn't mean that writer should take my notes because the script wasn't for that's, that's not for me. Um, So I think, I think you start to pick up on when someone is a fan of, of what you've written and just wants to help elevate it. And when they want to fundamentally change everything about it Mm -hmm. and when you do that, when you take, at least in my own experience, when you do that, you lose your, you lose your voice, you know, in, in your script. And when it doesn't sound like something you'd write, I think a good reader could pick up on that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd say that's the most valuable, um, advice I've ever received and would pass on to anyone who was, you know, just starting out. Um, and I just think it takes a few rounds of getting helpful notes, constructive notes, and then ones that are just like, not necessarily trying to be nasty or mean, but they're just trying to change it into something they'd write or something. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, or into a story that they'd watch and it just feel, I'm basically saying the same thing, but if, if the script's not for them, then I wouldn't, um, take their notes too seriously. Yes. That is very, very good advice. Um, it, I mean, it's like, I'm not a big fantasy person. It's just not my uh, genre. So if I'm reading a fantasy script, I've learned at this point now, like, 
just having done this for a while, <clears throat> that if I open your script and it's a fantasy script, I already know just from being a little more seasoned now that I shouldn't really give you any kind of like harsh criticism because this is not my lane. It's not my specialty. Uh, I can look at the character development and stuff like that. But as far as like world building and the logics of the world and if there's like magic elements and things like that, I shouldn't give any advice on that. Even if I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Maybe it just doesn't make sense to me because I don't understand the traditional tropes and things in that genre. Um, and that's something you learn, like giving notes in itself is an art. It's it's a whole other, uh, it's like another form of writing that has its own rules that you should abide by, the way we abide by screenwriting, formatting and things like that. Uh, and yeah, learning how to read notes is also an art. <laughs> You know, learning like how they say the note behind the note, which yeah. I still don't even know what that means. Like, I have a general sense of what it means, but yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. The I, note behind I, the note thing. It it just feels like a like an office saying like a circle that back. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a yeah. you know, I, it, that doesn't really. It feels like a little word salad where I'm like, there are words, but I don't really know what it is. And that doesn't mean it doesn't have a meaning. I just haven't really found it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And like, you know, as far as my understanding, it's just like reading the note, but thinking more critically than just the words uh, that you're looking at, trying mm -hmm. to really uh, get in the head of the reader. Um I mean, that's that's kind of what I draw from it. But um, yeah, I think that that's fantastic advice. Uh, one of the most frustrating things about this profession, especially when you're new, is receiving notes and reading them and learning how to apply them. Uh, it drives me insane. When I first started, actually, um, I would apply basically every note that I got, like almost every single one, especially if I got it from like a contest reader or like, a paid service, which I've only done that a few times, but if it came from a paid service, I was like, oh, this is a person who's like in the industry and they know what they're talking about. They know more than me. So I need to listen to every word they say because they know what's best for my story. And then later on, I mean, this <clears throat> isn't always the case, but I learned that sometimes these people are like, you know, uh, college students majoring in the major that I was in and they're interning for this company as readers. And uh, and that's being paid. <laughs> hopefully all of them are, but yeah. 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 I mean, like, yeah, a certain contest had a whole big thing on Twitter recently about unpaid readers, but um, yeah, you know, uh, learning that not, they, they don't always know more than you. And I think that once you get to a certain level, you know, you understand that about even producers and execs and managers and you can fight for your case. Like there's some situations where you're being paid to write a thing so you can maybe make your case but if they say no we want it like this then you have to right. but um okay so are there any new projects that you'd like to plug anything exciting going on that you'd like to share um safe space no judgment you you can totally share whatever you want yeah i mean I, you said the the monarchs of monmouth county yeah that, that's I mean, coming that's i mean you know um it's it's some, something to share is that it's done. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't have any um, thing that I can share about like any progress that it has or hasn't made, um, yeah. you know, stuff 
for the future, I just have to be as vague as possible because nothing's in writing. Yeah, so we don't want to jinx anything. I we definitely don't. Considering that the last time I was on this podcast, I got a rejection email. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and did you mention the contest before you got? You did. I did because you, you had did. asked me. Um, you had, I forget what the question was, but I was like, oh, I'm a, a quarterfinalist in x competition and i'm waiting i don't know if i named it actually. i think what you said i don't know if you named it but i think what right. you said was um i actually they're announcing today so yeah, i'll get today, to know today i made it to the semifinals because i was yeah and i was waiting and then you went away for a second and yeah and then i got the email and i was so really funny. just laughing i was like this is kind of funny um yeah, it was funny I, I wish we had that audio still because it was kind of like a very real yeah, screenwriter yeah, moment yeah yeah it was i definitely think I, you know, I was very much aware that it was being recorded. Yeah. I feel like this, the, the situation would have been different if I was like the way I normally get them, which is like alone in my living room or like in the grocery store. And I'm like mm-hmm. much less, um, uh, uh, calm about it. Not that I, I'm not like mad at them. I'm mad at myself, you know, or I'm yeah. like, why do I bother putting myself up for this rejection and whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything that I can really share, which just sounds like I'm lying, but I yeah. swear. I well, swear we're all taking it that way. We're all right. like, why I, is she I, lying? I, That's so weird. I figured. I figured. <laughs> just um, kidding. Um, but yeah, I don't, hopefully in a couple of months that will have changed, but yeah, nothing I can really share that is like, that I'm, you know, comfortable sharing only because everything i just find it so funny in the tv industry it's like we're not the cia like the yeah come down you know but it's like everything is so secretive of what you can and can't say until it's out there until deadline puts an article mm-hmm. that's like it puts out an article about the show it's like you have to be you know um you have to be so tight-lipped about it and it's mm-hmm. just funny to me because it's not that it's not you know of course i get it there's a lot of you know there's a lot of um, loose ends that need to be tied, but I just think it's funny. We're not doing like, you know, we're not yeah, like whispering into our sleeve, like yeah, all life yeah. in our sleeve, like all wearing suits and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, have like code names. Did, did you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's, if that's really obvious, but one show I worked, that never happened to me previously, but I was on a show and I would get emails for it that were not the name of the show. And I was like, for real? <laughs> like, is it? Yeah. Are we, are we really doing this? Okay. It, yeah. it, it feels like overkill, but I guess you can never be too careful. Obviously I understand like leaks and stuff would be bad. if like a script got, I, I, I am not saying that it's just kind of funny when it's like, it's, it's not life or death. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, no, it is funny. And it's like, yeah. I, I don't think that you're like, you know, criticizing the no, industry. Not. We're I just mean, observing. I, I it's, funny. it's just, yeah, funny. we're observing the silliness of it. Yeah. It Cause is. it's like at the end of the day and it's like, it's like, uh, you know, making movies, um, like seeing like, you know, the storming the beach scene and saving Private Ryan. That's like so fucking intense. And like I watched a making of and there's like real explosions going off and like it's absolute insanity. And it's so funny because like at the end of the day, this is just a nerd project right. by a bunch of nerds who are just like, right, let's right. just pretend and like make this fun. story. Yeah. 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 It's for fun. I mean, it's, and it's people, it employs people. I get that. But it's just a funny, it's funny. Yeah. too. It's funny how high the stakes are. You know, yes. and it's like yes. we're all just a bunch of nerds at the end of the day. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny to take a step back from being like, Oh, we're doing all this for this. I, I wouldn't change anything. And I think it's, Mm. it's great, but it's Mm. kind of, um, the absurdity of it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, am I in a secret society all of a sudden? Why are we not saying the show name? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, And it's like, you know, I think there's something about something good about not taking yourself in the industry you're in too seriously, unless you are a surgeon, I feel like it's okay to be able to laugh at the absurdity of it and, and still really appreciate the art and all of the tremendous work that goes into it. But sometimes mm-hmm. to be like, Hey, we spent like two grand on snacks, you know, like, yeah. or, or just, um, little kind of silly things. Well, maybe, maybe that's not that silly. Cause that feeds people. So yeah. Maybe, Gotta maybe have them fruit snacks. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But that yeah, no, I hear you though. Like looking, looking at like a massive budget or something like all the itemized stuff and just being like, yes. they spent this much money on that. Yes. Are you kidding me? Um, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy how, how, how expensive these productions are, you know, it's wild. Uh, but anyway, okay. So, uh, Kara, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, especially for working with me with all my technical difficulties. I said the same thing to Gabe. Like I, my goal, I guess, is to get to the point as a host where I don't have to apologize for my technical <laughs> difficulties <laughs> and, uh, and then I'll know I've made it. But, um, yeah, uh, you are at Kara Rothenberg on Twitter. Yeah. I think so. Let's look, let's look it up and be so. safe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to look it up and be safe because so we want to Twitter name. Otherwise we're going to get another Kara Rothenberg famous. And, uh, we don't want to do that. Kara Rothenberg with two, with two G's. Cause I think the one G was taken. Yeah. That is what it is. It's yeah. Kara Rothenberg, two G's at the end. Yes. Um, follow her. She is very funny. Uh, thank you for coming on and being funny on this podcast and being insightful with your experience. And uh, I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andy. This was so much fun. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.